Well, hello everyone. I'm Jack Zemlicka. Welcome to the first episode of the Precision Farming Dealer Podcast. Today's program, Defining Your Role and Scope for Precision Profitability, is being brought to you by Farmer's Edge. Before we launch into today's program, I did want to acknowledge that this is our first episode and thank Farmer's Edge for supporting this podcast. One of our goals with this series is that we want to get actionable precision strategies to you in a format that you can absorb wherever you are. Certainly understand that specialists on the precision side tend to be very mobile and not always tied to a desk. So we would encourage you to subscribe to the podcast with your favorite app in iTunes or the Google Play Store and get an alert when future episodes are released. I also wanted to again acknowledge Farmer's Edge. Farmer's Edge is proud to partner with dealers across the United States to unlock exceptional opportunities for their farm customers. Through innovative technology and field-centric tools, their whole farm smart solution will strengthen your platform and enhance your customer relations. Grow the opportunities for your customers and become a representative for Farmer's Edge today. Visit them at FarmersEdgeUSA.com slash become a representative. So as I think about the traditional farm equipment dealer, it's always very easy to visualize a combine in a service bay or a tractor on a show floor, or even the parts manager pulling inventory off the shelf for a customer. These are all very familiar scenes that often define the daily routines within a dealership. But often less definable is the ebb and flow of the precision farming department. This despite more than 60% of dealers operating a separate department for their precision business, according to the results of our publication's 2016 benchmark study. When visiting dealerships, technology specialists tend to think of themselves as lone wolves with minimal supervision, so long as they're fulfilling their daily responsibilities. Common refrain I'll often hear is, my manager doesn't really know what I do, but as long as I get it done and he doesn't get any complaints, there's never a problem. So what are dealers really trying to accomplish with their precision farming business? Asks Dr. Tom Krill, who has spent more than 20 years in precision ag as a college instructor, precision sales manager, and agronomic consultant. In today's Precision Farming Dealer podcast, brought to you by Farmer's Edge, we welcome Dr. Krill to share his philosophy and experience-based analysis on four key considerations for structuring a successful precision department. I want you to leave tonight and hopefully have a little bit of a restless night because you're thinking. That's my goal, but as we keep going on through it, I want to look at three key points. I want to take a look at scope and precision agriculture. I want to take a look at mission and vision of your organization. Now I want to take a look at how we manage that. When we look at it, we got to start with the uh, description. We need to have a definition. So I like to use a definition that I wrote back in the 90s about what precision agriculture is. I think in the equipment industry too often, too often we get tied up in the thought that it's all about the equipment and we don't understand what it is. So what is it? This is a good definition I like because it tells us several things. It tells us what we should be doing. We're managing. It tells us what we are to act upon, soil environment. It tells us 
what our goals are. Maximize and minimize. So we need to keep that in. First thing we got to know, we're going to manage. If you're going to manage, you need something. You've got to have variability. If there's no variability, there's no need for precision agriculture. I started this whole thing in precision agriculture with Ohio State University in Northwest Ohio in the bottom of the Lake Erie lake bed. People said, you're nuts. There's no variability. We went out and we looked at it. I got counties I could draw the soil map on right here. It was easy. I take that whole screen, that's the county. I put one soil type in it and I got it. We found variability. We had something to go. Technology. Here a lot of us are tied to technology. Technology is the enabler. It's the enabler. It's not the driver. Criteria. We've got to know what we're trying to study on. We're looking at two things. Economical return. Minimize environmental impact. We need those. That's how we evaluate what we're doing. It's a management concept. What's key about management? I always loved. First question I got, precision agriculture. What's its payback going to be for me? Well, I said, well, the first thing is, what are you going to change? If you do things the same way today that you did yesterday, there's no payback. You've got to change. You've got to manage it. You've got to make decisions based upon data. Then once you've got those decisions, you need to deploy them and carry them out. It's a process. The other key thing is it's about the plant. It's about the plant and agronomy. That's the basis we're dealing with here. We're looking at a plant and we're looking at it to maximize economic production and minimize environmental impact. It's about the plant. It's not about the equipment. As much as I like it and as much as you like it, I've yet to see anybody set up bleachers by their field and watch your equipment go back and forth through it. Okay. I did get caught a couple of years ago on this. Okay, Hunt's here somewhere. Else. Unless it's 300 feet, then they'll pay. But we'll go beyond that. It's not about the maps. It's not about the technology. I haven't seen him hang up at any art museums yet. It's about the plant. That's where all the return comes. All the return comes back from what that plant can do, whether it's grain, whether it's fiber, whether it's the produce you bring off whether it's nuts off of a tree, all that, that's where the income comes, and we need to know that. That's where the money comes from, guys. It doesn't come from our equipment or anything else. All we hope to do is be a part of that so that the farmer will share some of that income with us. It's economics. It's not about busting down grain bins. It's about economical production. I want to produce, I want to keep going, until the point of producing that unit of output equals what it costs me. I don't want to go on and go beyond that because I lose money. Again, it's about management. Variability is there to be managed, and that's what we need to take a look at. And we're going to do that through the three Ds. Now, when we look at management, we're all in the business sector. Where's our key things to take a look at? Got two points I want to bring up here. One is... Right now, what we've seen is, as I call it, we're dealing with the small fish in the game. We're good at it. It's cost reduction. And that's how we save cost savings. How does some of our stuff work? We're preventing overlap. We're presenting skips. Become more efficient user. But that's all on the cost side. 
The big fish out there is, is when we start affecting that plant. So that we can take that plant, and because we properly use that input, we get the maximum production out of it. That's the key. There's three ways a plant can respond. And we need to know that, because take difference at it. There's a constant response. It doesn't care. You get so much on it, it doesn't care. It's happy. You give it more, you give it less, yields the same. Nothing changes. This is a tough one to have much on a crop response. The only thing you get here is you're going to turn on and off so you can get reduced in your expenses. Second one you got here is what I call a plateau. Goal here is, is we can keep adding input because it gives us return until we get to that point right there. And then it's a constant level. But a key point is if I put on too much, there's no penalty. Then the bottom one down here, which has got the most chance for us to do stuff, is down here in the bottom where we got a sweet spot. If I don't put on enough, I hurt my yield, or I hurt my return. It goes up to a point, it plateaus. If I put on too much, it starts coming down again. So that's what we got to look at. What type of stuff do we need to look at in our industry? The constant stuff, as I said, it's going to be dominant by on and off controls. We look at one that's got a plateau on it. Here, it's going to be profitable if the technology is cheaper than the product. But the thing is, if I put technology on to control myself once I went to that peak and I go beyond it, if that technology cost me five bucks per acre when I could do the uh, product only cost me two, so what? Doesn't make sense. Final one, BRT controls are going to dominate that bottom sector because now we've got to look where we're at. Too much or too little. A lot of people don't understand this is a huge issue we hit when we deal with our plants. Seed population. We have found out. What was one of the biggest surprises we found out? We started doing row controls and shutting it off. What did our yield map show us? We had farmers come and tell us, you know what? I'm getting yield from my endros. I never thought that was possible. My endros never yielded. It's because most endros were double planted because of how we did it. We get the plant population down to where it needs to be. We're getting return. It's point here, potential return. When you're looking at where you want to get involved at, take a look at your cost expense. I like to give a hard time to a guy named Al McQuinn who created AgChem and was one of the founders of it. Great machine, guys. It works good. Did what we want to. The problem is, is he played with P and K. That's 4% of my total cost. So if I save 10% of 4%, you know what? That isn't too big an impact on my bottom line. If I could have played with nitrogen, or I could have played with one of these bigger ones, now what happens? 10% of 17% is a whole lot better. And that's what we need to look at. Where is the return? One thing I've got to throw into you. I've talked a lot about basic agronomics and economics. One thing can throw a wrinkle in the whole equation. It's this thing called regulation. When they cause that curve to not be straight anymore, but to come up here where once you get to a line it's illegal or it's scarce and I can't get to it, this changes your economics. Now you've got to figure out not only what the plant wants, but where I get the most return. I've only got X amount of a scarce commodity available. Where do I use it for my biggest buck? So we've got that to look at. How do I see this picture right now in this return area? 
Guys, I think it's pretty simple. We take a look at the racetrack down here, and we look at where we're at. Deployment's way out in front. What I'll call deployment when you saw the 3Ds. Deployment's way out in front. This is what we've seen that's the mechanical side. It's what us in the equipment industry are used to. It's way out in front. Dragging behind it here, we've got this whole concept of data. How we manage the data, how we store it, how we take care of it. And the one that's having a real tough time getting out of the blocks is what I call the black box. It's the decision part. What does this data really mean I need to do to my crop? When we look at precision agriculture, it's all about a system. They're all independent, and they don't work in a vacuum. When you look at precision agriculture, and you look at the farmer, what's he going to do? The farmer's going to be out there. He's going to be in charge. But he's going to choose, or she's going to choose, a group of people that they choose to work with. And they're going to be their trusted advisors. And the thing is, they will work as a team. And we need to keep that in mind. We want to be a part of their team. Notice I said a part of their team. And as we all know, there's no I in team. You are going to have to participate and work with others in the industry that have expertise that you don't have to make it successful. It's a system. It's a process. Data leading to decisions, leading to deployment. Okay, quick look at Precision Ag. And what hopefully you got out of this is one simple clue. It's big. It's big. And we need to know that. My question is, where do you fit in? Where does your organization fit in to this big thing out there we call Precision Ag? You need to take a hard look at your organization. You gotta start back here. We all know the challenges we got going on and everything else. Where are you going? Large customer focused, small customer focused, single store, multi-store. Am I gonna get bigger? Who's really my marketplace? Am I looking at the big ag production guy or am I looking at a different guy here? You've got to understand your organization. And that's where we need to start. The foundation of any business is its mission and vision statements. You've got to know these. The foundation has to be the mission and vision. Every action, every action that you do in your organization better have a direct tie back to the mission and vision. Or else you better not be doing it because you're not going to be successful. Mission and vision. It tells you why the organization exists, and it tells us where we are going. Point. Understand what your mission and vision is. If you do not know your mission or your vision, precision agriculture is not going to solve your problem. If you don't know your mission and vision, don't mess with precision agriculture. We've got to know where we're going to make it work. We'll be right back to Dr. Krill's discussion, but I did want to take a moment and again thank our sponsor, Farmer's Edge, for making this program possible. Farmer's Edge is proud to partner with dealers across the United States to unlock exceptional opportunities for their farm customers. 
Through innovative technology and field-centric tools, their whole farm smart solution will strengthen your platform and enhance your customer relations. Grow the opportunities for your customers and become a representative for Farmer's Edge today. Visit them at farmersedgeusa.com slash become a representative. I did also think it was worth commenting on Dr. Krill's points about conveying a return on investment to customers. There very much does seem to be of increasing importance for dealers, uh, certainly the ones that I've visited in the last year or so, uh, especially in light of today's egg market, being able to prove that ROI of the products that they're selling. With that, let's get back to the program and hear Dr. Krill's thoughts on avoiding precision mediocrity. Our customers expect more than mediocrity from your organization. They expect more than that from you. So, by knowing that, what's that mean? I've got to know what I do good. And I've got to emphasize doing what I do good. There are things I'm not so good at. Let's try to pass them off. Let's see if we can find somebody else who can meet that there and I can focus on what I do good and exploit it. You know, there's a lot of talk in business schools about this whole thing as sigma and the six sigmas and all your, you know, different procedures that they talk about. But the bottom line is when we take a look at it, what they're really talking about is, is we want to operate our business here. It's a bell-shaped curve. So if you put the whole population of dealerships or whatever, customers, they're going to follow a normal distribution, which is your bell-shaped curve. The thing is, this block right here, that's meteorocrity. And what do you notice about it? It's the biggest part of it, right. I want to get out of here. I want myself up in here. That's where the return is. You can't go back here. I come up, my father spent his life in the extension service from the universities. Extension service is a great idea, but I tell you, I think their biggest downfall sits right here. They had county agents in our state. Every county had its own ag agent. They expected them to do everything. So what happened? They became meteorocrity at its best. That's all they were. So what did your customers, as your customers kept advancing, what did they do? Uh-uh. I don't want the county guy. I want to talk directly to the specialist up here. And then when that got drawing up, then they started going, I'm going to the company guys that know it. They got tired of mediocrity. They wouldn't support it. They went for the best. You need to do that. Your customer, they want, they expect, and they will get the best. The question is, do they get that from you? Or do they get that from somebody else? A couple quick uh, quotes. Vision without actions is a daydream. Action without a vision is a nightmare. Importance of vision. Where there is no vision, people perish. Where do you fit in? A little story I want to say here and look at. We've got a coach here, and we've got this student here that comes up and says the coach, you know, I want to play on your football team. I want to play with you. Okay. 
So he comes in and asks the coach. i got to look this so I don't get this wrong. So he comes up. I'd like to join your football team. Coach, well, what experience do you have? I am a student of the game. I know all aspects of it. What position do you play? Wherever you need me, coach, wherever you need me, I can do it. Okay. How fast are you? Fast enough, coach. Fast enough. What's your bench press? I'm strong enough to keep them off of me. Where should this kid play? Anybody got an idea here? How often do we do the exact same thing with our precision farming groups and our customers? We try to be a solution to all, not excel at any one thing. So understand where you fit into the picture. Organizational mission and vision. Some quotes. Leadership is the ca capacity to translate vision into reality. So your leaders, where they're going, their job is to get that out of their head and get it down here and make it happen. Love this one from Drucker. Management is doing things right. We need good managers. However, leadership is doing the right things. Notice the difference. Managers will do something right. They're good at that. But the thing is, are they doing what they should be doing or not? The leader has to establish what those right things are. Leaders establish the vision for the future and set strategy for how we get there. Your organization needs leaders. Something I like to quote from Lou Holtz. I think it's always good when you start evaluating your organization. Ability is what you're capable of doing. When you look at your organization, this one right here, that's about your HR department. Motivation is highly correlated with leadership. This is where I believe in what I'm doing and its role for today, tomorrow, and the future. That's motivation. That's got to come from the top, guys. That's got to come from the people running that organization with the mission and vision. Final, attitude determines how well you do it. This is more inductive of what their surroundings are, their local people on their team, and the supervisor for that team. We've got to make certain we excel at all those. How do these fit together? i got a mission and vision here, and i got precision agriculture. Okay? I'm telling you right now, I don't know the answer how they fit together. And what they'll do is they'll fit together differently for each one of you. You need to take a look at that. Management, as we know, just a basic management chart, planning, organizing, leading, and controlling. That's what it's about. It's about objectives, goals, and then the tactics to reach it. Start, most important thing is you've got to start with a plan. Got to start with a plan. Identify where you're going, what you're going to participate in. Define scope. Planning is bringing the future into the present so that you do something about it. Failure is easy with no planning. Love that. Scope. I have seen more organizations involved in precision agriculture fail because of this one word right here than anything else. They don't know what they want to be. They change what they want to be. 
I've got a scope, I've got a sight, I know where I'm going, and the next thing is just like being up here in the stage. I can see the middle back here, but all this out here gets real cloudy, those lights shooting at me. That's what happens. They focus here, next thing your scope expands, and they're trying to do all this, and you're just like that. You got the deer in the headlights look. Problem. It happens everywhere. I was a part, one of the starting partners of a thing John Deere put together called the Vantage Point Network. We had a good start. We did a lot of neat things. We had a leader, and we were supported, and we had a scope. And we worked on that every day, trimming it and keeping it here. And the leader of our scope and the whole thing was Hans Becker, who at that time was the CEO of John Deere. What happened? He retired. Some other people retired. Key people in All of a sudden, our scope and our target exploded overnight. We were looking at this. All of a sudden, they wanted to look at this. Couldn't do it, guys. 18 months, the doors were shut. Be aware of scope creep. How does Precision Ag fit in your organization? What's its position? How are you treating it financially? Is it an overhead cost or is it a profit center? How are you going to evaluate it? And it changes what we do. If I'm an overhead cost, what's my purpose here? Keep everybody happy and I'll do good. If I'm a profit center, now what's my objective? I got to pay the bills, guys. It's money. I become more aggressive. I become more focused. Not saying either one's right or wrong, but know how you position it and how it works. Reporting structure. I love this. Seen it numerous times in the equipment industry. We bring into the structure, we bring into what we're going to call a precision farming manager. And we've already got our three established common blocks of the equipment industry, sales, service, and parts. Well, who does a precision farming manager report to? Well, he's got to report to all three of those guys. They're great. You want to be that person trying to lead the org? Your group, when you got to report to three guys, all with different objectives, different methods and positions, you're asking for failure. You're asking for failure. Know how it's going to fit in your organization. Know how you're going to utilize it. That's important. My thoughts. Select a champion, a manager. I'd like to see a leadership spot in here. If you're not comfortable at the top and you want to do it, Put somebody in there good and let them do their job. Let them paint a vision for you and provide them the resources to get there. Don't tie their hands behind their back and say, we want you to do this, but you can't make any decisions. You can't change anything. Know what they're responsible for. Set out. Here's what I want you to do. You are going to have a call center. Okay, I know I'm going to do it. I don't care how you set it up, but you are having a call center. Figure it out. Who am I responsible to? Who do I report to? Know that aspect. Key thing I still think we need to do here is partnerships. Do what you do well. Things you do not do well, look for relationships and partnerships to deal with. And we'll talk more about it. When you look at these partnerships, you know what, guys? You may need to train that partner a little bit to understand what he's doing for you. I look at agronomics as a key one. Honestly, I'm not a big component or fan of an equipment dealership trying to be an agronomist. I just see too many conflicts. 
And it's probably not within the mission and vision of the organization. It's what I look at. It could be right or wrong in your situation. So if I don't want to do the agronomics, let's let somebody else do it. But let's work a partnership. And you know what? Maybe I ought to train them. What's the biggest thing that sends farmers nuts every spring? XYZ agronomist gives them this neat little thing called a thumb drive. And they say, stick it in your display and everything's going to work. <laughs> How many of us know that that doesn't happen? Maybe we ought to train them to how to make that stick so it works in our piece of equipment. Partnerships, important. Local management, product offerings, what do you want? Physical product, education, data, services. Look at it. Figure out what you want to be a part of and play in. Look at how the revenue stream is. Personally, I, take a, I really like, as a manager, perpetual income streams. It's a lot easier to budget off of. I know the money's coming in regularly in that aspect. Define precision's role. Are they responsible for sales or not? Are they just responsible for service or not? What about parts? Who manages inventory? Define those things. Bottom line, like I said, look at the customer. What does the customer experience? When it gets to crunch time, they're concerned about one thing. I just want it to work. I don't care about you pointing fingers to why it doesn't or all this here. I don't care. I want it to work. So make it work. Customer experience. Control. If you're going to manage something, you need metrics. Take a look at it. Make certain people know that aspect. Good metrics. Make certain what the metrics you're measuring on, they're controllable of. Don't have a Precision farming be metric to be, I'm responsible for how many dollars worth of hardware we sell. That doesn't work if they aren't the ones selling it. Now, if they're selling it, it's a good metric. But if all their job is to service it, why use what's sold as an objective? Because they can't control it. They're at the will of the sales team. Benchmarks are always good. I want to wrap up here. Might run just a little bit over. I'm going to tell you, and I'm not saying this is right or wrong or different, but I'm going to stand up here, which I probably already thought I've done, up here on my soapbox, and I'm going to tell you what I think. Since the majority of you in here are tied to the equipment industry, I apologize to those of you who aren't directly, but I think you'll get the drift of what I think you should be doing to make this successful. First thing is, I'm going to follow those three Ds. Deployment. If I am in the equipment dealership, I want to own this, guys. I think your approach should be to own this. I want my people in the equipment that I've sold, I want them around it. I want them to make it work. That's where I want them. If my customer wants something different applied, I want to be the one they come to to figure out how to do it. I want to own deployment. Now, one thing for people get too nervous, communication. There's a lot of talk about that right now. This portion right here where stuff goes out and where stuff comes in are all communication. Being involved in that, to me, is not a negative. That's not a negative. Next question, data. What do I want to do with data? I'll tell you my thoughts on data, guys. I was in a company, an organization. We tried to develop the data warehouse. We did. 
I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think it's where you want to play. Why? Data warehousing is a very high capital expenditure. It costs a lot of money to build it. Secondly is, it's very scalable. So if I make a data warehouse for 100 people or 100,000 people, my base costs don't change much. Stating that, what I think my reality is going to be is, it's probably going to end up with a couple big organizations running the data warehouses. They're going to be very large. They're going to be very technically focused. They're not going to be farmers. They're going to be technology people who know how to handle, manage, and take care of data. That's where it's going to be. The next section is decision making, the decision segment. The way I see it, this is going to be very informational driven. If you haven't noticed it yet, we're finding it all over in the ground. I mean, you know what? Corn is not corn. This corn variety likes one thing. This corn variety likes another thing. And you know what? This third one likes something different. Oh, great. I was had a hard enough time keeping track of corn and soybeans. I had two to keep track of, and they may throw wheat in. Now, all of a sudden, you're telling me corn's not corn? It's going to be tough. And the thing I'm concerned about is this is very heavily information driven. I don't think the big companies that control this genetic side are going to let you see it. They're going to maintain it and use it for proprietary advantages. That's sort of what I think we're going to see there. The other thing is, is people say, well, I'm going to do my own farm research and learn it. Good idea. How many guys in here raise corn or been around the corn? What's happened? Typically, when I taught at a grind, I wanted at least three years of data to make a decision. Year one, I'd plan it and gain some information. Two, I'd gain some more information. Three, I'd feel pretty comfortable. I'm ready to put it in a lineup right now. Yeah, you heard up here. He's right. I'm ready to put it in the lineup, and they pulled it off the market. Now what do I got? I think they're going to try to control this and, take, uh, and use it as competitive advantage. I'm not saying that's a negative, but I think it's going to tell you what's going to happen in this area. They're also going to put the data scientists to pull data out of that big data. That's what I think we're going to see. Let's wrap up local management, key things, our challenges. You know, you're all used to it. I lose the stockholders, I lose my access to capital, so I got to keep them happy. I lose the customer, I lose market share. That doesn't work. I lose motivation, I lose my employees. We've got to keep all these segments happy as we deal with it. Closing thoughts. Shouldn't be any surprise to you. Do what you do and do it well. No mediocrity. Next section. Identify and protect your scope. Know what you're doing, know what you want to do, live it. Try to protect people from getting in your scope. When it's outside of your scope, partnership it. Finally, we've heard them talk about here. Get paid for what you do. If you're going to get paid for it, you've got to be able to measure it and also work your reward program for your employees and others to reward them for doing what you want them to do. Jack's question, how do I get my customers to pay for precision agriculture? It's no mark, there's no huge science here. One thing is, you've got to make a difference in their operation. You've got to make a difference, and you've got to prove your worth to them. Number two, be the best. I don't want them looking down the street and say, oh, there's Bob here, and there's Bill here, and this here. No, I want them to know that I'm the best, and that I want to do business with me.
not with everybody else. Finally, remember the plant. That's the source of all the income that all of us are sharing. Lose focus on the plant, and I'm afraid you're going to lose focus on what you should be doing. I always like this quote, you're either going forwards or backwards, guys. There's no standing still. If you don't learn something today, you might as well be dead. Work on it. Thank you. Well, thank you, Tom, for your thoughts and analysis. And for those listeners who'd like to review Dr. Krill's presentation, please visit www.precisionfarmingdealer.com slash podcast. And again, we'd encourage everyone to subscribe to the podcast with your favorite podcasting app, whether that's an iTunes or Google Play store, and that'll help you get alerts when future episodes are released. I think certainly a takeaway for me from today's program is that launching a profitable precision farming department isn't an overnight success. Dealers certainly need to have the right people and products in place to make this part of their business profitable. And again, we'd like to thank and recognize our sponsor, Farmer's Edge, for helping make this Precision Farming Dealer podcast series possible. I certainly look forward to your feedback on today's program. And feel free to drop me an email at jzemlicka at lessitermedia.com or give me a call at 262-777-2441. You can also keep up on the latest precision farming news impacting your dealership by registering online for our e-newsletters. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at PFD Editors and our Precision Farming Dealer Facebook page. I hope that you'll join us again on June 2nd for the next episode in our 2016 series, Starting Small with Your Big Data Service, where precision pioneer Steve Cubbage will discuss how dealers can begin to capitalize on data management service. For Dr. Krill, Farmer's Edge, and our entire staff here with Precision Farming Dealer, I'm Jackson Licka. Thanks for listening.